Please join me in a word of prayer. Well, good morning, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and the encouragement we have to draw near to you. Lord, I pray for you to stir up within each one of us a desire for more of you. I pray for you to help me as I preach now. For I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I saved this text for Get Connected Sunday. This is the last of our sermon teaching focus on the letter to the Hebrews. We obviously didn't exhaust the whole letter, nor could we, um, in only the few weeks that we had for that. Um, But I kept chapter 10 for today, because frankly, Hebrews 10.25 is one of the best texts for a Get Connected Sunday. Verse 25 says this, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This was one of the texts I I was encouraged to memorize in high school. Let us consider how we might spur one another on. The ESV puts it as a stir up, how how we might stir up one another. And this is um, the habit of some to stop meeting together. Let us not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. And I want you to think about this truth, that in, in your life, you don't drift into God. If you stop putting effort into your relationship with God, the current is going the other way. You drift away from Him. It's not like, it's not neutral. I walked into uh, Sam and Gail's house last week or the week before, and there was just a silly show on TV. It was an ESPN sports thing. It was like, like X Games, but definitely not cool like X Games. It was this game where the teammates were in these like colorful suits, and they had helmets on, and they were trying to climb a huge inflatable staircase like this, like, I don't know, 60 feet tall or something, to get up to the top and ring a bell. But it was greased as slick as could be. And so they were just, you know, fighting and trying to knock each other down. And, and the thing about it is, gravity was against them. All they had to do was misstep a little bit or have someone bump them, and they slid down that thing and wiped out all the other, everyone, and they were all at the bottom starting over. Gravity is working against them in that game. In the same way, the tendency in the spiritual life is like gravity. It's going against your goal. It is pulling you away from God. And the invitation in the text today and all throughout Hebrews is to draw near. Seven times that phrase is in Hebrews. Draw near. Let us draw near to God, to pull ourselves toward God. And there's something um, about this text that is presumed. It's presumed that you want God, that you understand a relationship with him to be a good thing. The writer to the Hebrews did not have to make an argument for wanting God. He just had to make an argument about the better way, Jesus being greater, the better way to approach God as opposed to the old covenant way. But in our culture, I feel like I have to say, you were made for God. You were made for a relationship with God. That's why he created you, and you will be fulfilled in nothing less than that. And there are lots of rivals out there. I like how the Westminster Shorter Catechism puts its very first question and answer. What is the chief end of man? You know that one? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of mankind, the the principal purpose for humanity. It was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's about relationship. You and I were created for God, and the, the temptation for us is to try and meet that need with something else. 
So whatever you're pursuing ultimately comes from a desire for God. And that's why in the call to worship, I asked you to think about where you are with God right now. Is there something that you're pursuing in a God-like way that can't possibly do what only God could do for you? Draw near to Him. He alone can meet that need. Now, the audience was tempted to go back to the Jewish way of pursuing God. And I want to show you a picture that I took um, two summers ago when we got to see the Holy Land. The church sent our family to Israel. When we finally got to the Holy City, um, we got there late at night, got off the bus, and, and we, we were in our, in our room at, at the guest house at Christ Church, Jerusalem, and um, our bishop's wife said, it's custom. We have to go to the Western Wall. Let's all go right now. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. And so we go walking through this city, um, and we get there. And I took that picture as soon as we got there. That is the remaining wall of the Temple Mount. So King Herod built this impressive structure back in the day. I'm talking like 2,000 years ago. Built this huge Temple Mount, expanded the size of it. Those are huge stones. They go, it goes 40 feet down to the ground rock below that plaza, and then on top of it, the temple was built. And as Jesus promised, not one stone was left upon another. In AD 70, the Romans came in and destroyed the temple and threw all the stones off of the wall. But it's still there. The wall is still there. So that's the retaining wall. And arguably, that's the holiest place in the world for Jews. That very corner right there is the closest they can get to where the temple stood. And now Islam has control of the Temple Mount, and there's a mosque up there and the Dome of the Rock, which is the famous picture of Israel you see. So Jews go there, and they pray around the clock. They go up to that wall, and they write prayers on little pieces of paper, and they stick it in the cracks of the rock, and they put their hands on that wall, and they stand at a wall desiring God. And the writer is saying there is a better way. God is now accessible, drawn near in Christ. There is a better way to enter into the holy place. That wall is so symbolic of the separation that we have in the old covenant. Now, this morning, I want to make one main point. I have three supporting points, and somebody at the 745 service always counts and tells me if I have one main point or if I have a three-sermon sermon. My point is this. Jesus makes a new way for us to draw near. Draw near is the main word. Jesus makes a new way for us to draw near. And I'm going to support that with three phrases. Draw near in Christ, draw near in community, and draw near in confidence. Jesus makes a new way for us to draw near, and we do it in Christ, in community, and in confidence. And I want to explore those three things. Verse 20 of Hebrews 10 says this, actually 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. I'm going to stop there. That's the end of the verse, actually. It's in the middle of the sentence. He has made a new way that he's opened through the curtain, which is his flesh. Super confusing if you don't understand how the Jewish temple worked. And I'm going to show you another picture up here, which is an artist's rendition Crossway publishers put this together. It's actually in the back of my Crossway Bible, um, the ESV Bible. This is an artist's rendering of the temple, and the holy of holies that we talk about was behind the curtain. I show a big black arrow pointing to a curtain. See how small the man is coming up the steps outside of it? Um, That's to give you a scale on how big this thing is. It was really tall, and the people had different levels of how close they could get to this. 
God's presence was physically manifested and he was in the holy of holies, that inner spot behind that curtain. And Jews and Gentiles together could go in toward the temple to a little wall and then Jews could go further and then the priests could go further. That's a priest on the steps out there. And then the high priest alone could go behind into the Holy of Holies one day a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and offer the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people. One day a year. So there were walls. There were separations. There were all these different things keeping us from God. And it was appropriate because we're sinful and he's holy. But Jesus has made a new way for us to draw near to God. When he died on the cross, you know, it talks about the temple curtain being torn. That, that colorful pattern square, has square patterns on it in this rendition. That was like a thick wool, like inches thick wool curtain that hung. It was huge. And when he died on the cross, it ripped from top to bottom. It ripped because God broke out of there and went among the people. And it ripped because he now opened up so we could enter in. That whole barrier system was gone. There was an entirely new way to draw near to God. Jesus has made that possible for us. So we draw near in Christ. That's the first way that we draw near. We draw near in Christ. And when he talks about his body being the curtain in verse 20, he's referring to that temple curtain being torn, just like Jesus' physical body was destroyed on the cross. He died so that we then could have access to God. So draw near in Christ. Let us also draw near in community. I picked this text for today because it's Get Connected Sunday. It's all about community. If you notice something about verses 19 through 25, they are all in the plural. They are speaking of multiple people. He's, the author is addressing us as brothers and sisters. Let us draw near. We, it uses that first person plural pronoun. And it has the word one another twice in verse uh, 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another. One anothering is what he's talking about here. Helping each other. Just like that game on the ESPN thing, if the people were trying to all get to the top and not beat each other, they might have had a better shot instead of making each other trip and slide to the bottom. If they were all working together, one another, to get up to the top, it would have been easier. He's encouraging us to think of ourselves like a body. One another together are doing this, not a bunch of individuals. I remember this word from Greek because in Greek, ironically, it sounded like this all alone. Literally, that's the Greek word for one another. All alone. It's translated one another. I just think that's an odd, odd thing. So every time I see that, I think all alone. I'm not all alone. I have one another. It's us. So let us together do this. Let us together in community draw near to God. On Get Connected Sunday, don't walk it alone. It's hard to walk it alone. In verse 25 in here in the ESV, it says, let us stir up. The NIV I I first memorized as a new believer says spur on. Let us spur one another on. Like, like, Like you'd spur an animal with a metal thing to giddy up, get it going, you know? It's not, and in the Greek, it's actually a word that speaks of um, not contentious, but actually aggravating one another, like iron sharpening iron, rubbing against each other, pointing things out about one's lack of discipleship or one's drifting. Hey, Mike, have you had a quiet time this week? Have you been praying much? You reading the Bible? What's going on? How's your walk with the Lord? And I think, don't ask me that. I don't want to admit that I'm ignoring him right now. That's, that's the spurring on. 
And he's saying, do that to one another. Encourage one another so that we will be able to draw near to God in community. Now, there's an encouragement piece to it, but there's also a challenge piece. And let me give you an illustration of both. When I was in college, I was a college rower, and as a middle-aged person, I bought a rowing machine because I think I should get in shape. And so the painful thing about it is it has a screen on it that actually tells you how hard and how fast and whatever. It basically is plotting my decline, is what I'm finding. And my brother, my younger brother, who was on the rowing team with me, also got one, and he lives on the West Coast, and he said, hey, I need a training partner. Let's, let's hook up the, let's sync up the training logs, and then we can encourage one another on, you know? And, and so he calls me one day or texts and goes, hey, I noticed you haven't been on your machine much. There's not many in your, in your workout log. I need the encouragement. Come on, brother. And, and then I realized I didn't hit the sync button. So I had like seven or eight workouts that weren't uploaded. So I synced those and he saw them. And then he was really challenged. And he, and he said, whoa, you've been busy. And then he looked at August 14th and he particularly noted that I did 5,000 meters in 20 minutes and 15 seconds, which was okay. He was like, wow, you were going really hard. So um, imagine his surprise when he looks on there and sees that yesterday I broke 20 minutes. Eric, if you're listening to this sermon online, I'm spurring you on, brother. <laughs> what the log doesn't show is that I was panting like a dying dog lying on the floor after. <laughs> but see, I was trying to get under 20 minutes because I knew he was watching. That's spurring one another on. Let us encourage one another to draw near to God with that kind of stuff. But it's also an encouragement. And I'll get, here's a second illustration. I went to the Clay High Fleming Island football game Friday night, and it was, you know, it's first game of the season. It was packed. And Hannah's in the band and she said, dad, you got to get me some food because I'm not going to be able to get through the halftime show and get over there before we have to be back. And it's a crowd. So when everybody was coming one way, I went the other direction. And it's like trying to go through a sea of people when you're going the wrong way. But the minute you find somebody else going that direction and you start to get together three or four people and it gets like five or six, and now you're blocking and you're moving together through it. That's about mutual encouragement that's, it's just easier to get through the crowd when you're going as a group. And I'm telling you the drift, spiritual drift is away from God. The culture is going further away from God. I don't have to belabor that point. Just look at our world today, especially in this country. It is becoming more and more godless. It's drifting away, but we're called to draw near to him. So don't do it alone. Draw near in community, get a group of people in press through in the other direction, resist the drift away, draw near in community, draw near in Christ. And then finally, draw near in confidence. In this text, it says, verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, the text is telling us we can be confident to press into God's presence. In particular, I want to look at verse 22. The author says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So hearts that are true. Think about calibrating something to true north. What Jesus has done for us is he has modeled perfect relationship with the Father. He was constantly in relationship with his Father. And when he prayed, you saw it. He would say, I'm praying this for their sake, not mine. I know that you always hear me. I always do your will. I always say the things that you share with me. Christ was in perfect um, 
relationship with his father. That is the model of true north. And if we want to have a true heart as we draw near, calibrate your life to that. Decide in your heart right now that you exist for a relationship with God. I mean, you can tell your heart that. I was created for God. There's your true north. Anything else is a deviation from that. Anything else is getting off course. Now you've got a true heart as you draw near. You're calibrated. I was made for a relationship with God. And then the second thing in that verse says, um, let us draw near with full assurance of faith. The reason that we can be sure and have assurance is because of the resurrection. So Jesus died and he rose on the third day as he promised and as the prophets all pointed to. This was not a surprise. It was actually what, if you, if, when we look back from this side of the cross, it was what totally was expected. There was quite a bit talked about that this Savior, this suffering Savior would have to come. And then Jesus said, I'm going to be handed over and I will die. And on the third day I will rise, which is exactly what happened. And I think it's been argued that the resurrection of Jesus is the the most credible historical event to have ever occurred. Somebody once said, I could have an easier time proving that Christ rose than I can prove what I ate for breakfast this morning. Seriously, there is more evidence from a historic... The, the, the only way to prove what's happened in the past is through historical evidence, and that's you know, eyewitness accounts and things that are written and the effects of that event. There are more, there's more evidence for the resurrection than anything else. And so we have full assurance of our faith because Christ's resurrection gives us that assurance. And then it doesn't only give us an external assurance, it gives us an internal one because our evil conscience has been sprinkled clean. You know, we had baptism last week in here and we sprinkled water and we are, we are washed clean. We are sprinkled clean of an evil conscience by what Christ has done. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You can draw near in confidence that you're not going to be judged. And the reason is because he's already judged your sin on Christ on the cross. So you are not in that anymore. You're now in his righteousness. So you have full confidence to draw near to God. You don't have to worry about a wall and a curtain and an outer court and a holy of holies and all that stuff. In Christ, you go directly to God, which is his desire. Because remember, you were created for a relationship with God. So with full confidence, you can now approach God and not, you know, the lightning bolt thing, right? Oh, I better not go to church. Lightning bolt's going to get me. I mean, I hear that all the time. People are afraid to come even into church because they think they're going to be struck down for their sin and their evil conscience. This text is telling you that's not true. If you are in Christ, you have full confidence to enter into God's presence. Your sins are forgiven. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So your conscience has been cleaned. That's what Christ did. And then the last thing in there is this is, I think it's a reference to baptism, actually. So we have evil consciences that are sprinkled clean and bodies that are washed with pure water. What I like so much about baptism, just like communion, is that it's actually a gift from Jesus. I know the church argues about the sacraments and they're supposed to be unifying and they end up dividing, but at the end of the day, Jesus gave them as a gift to his church. They are meant to be a means of grace. They are meant to encourage us. It's, a, it's a, an outward and physical sign of an inward and spiritual truth. And we need those external things to encourage us. So you've been baptized. If, you, if you've been baptized, you have that symbol. And that makes you confident. 
You know, so when the enemy lies and he tells you thoughts and he's, trying, he's the accuser, right? Satan's the accuser and he's going, you're bad and God doesn't love you and you better not go into that church or you will be struck by lightning and God's going to get you. He's going to, when those, no, no, I got the certificate. My church filled it out. I was baptized in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I belong. I am a covenant member. This is my house. That's the kind of confidence that, that he gives you. Let us draw near in confidence Let us draw near in community. Let us draw near in Christ who has made a better way. Now, pursuing God requires more than just dabbling. I'm going to give you one final illustration here. Think about a toddler who doesn't know how to swim, but is drawn to want to learn to swim. They they want to jump in the pool with all the other kids. They want to go off the diving board. They want to swim under the water. It looks so cool, but they don't know how. It's one thing to go over to the steps on the side and splash around in two inches of water. You can lay on the concrete and pretend you're swimming, but you're not swimming. If you want to swim, you've got to go in the water, like all the way in. Don't dabble. Draw near by committing yourself 100%. Go all in. It's way better. And a lot of people, they dabble in some Christianity and a little bit of religion. They try, oh, maybe I'll do it a little small. I'll read the Bible a little bit. I, I went to church a couple times this year. They dabble with it. They don't commit to it. And so they totally miss the whole thing. I'm pretty sure it was G.K. Chesterton who made that awesome quote about the difficulty of Christianity. He said, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left mostly untried. Think about that. It's found difficult. It's not easy. God is other, and he is holy, and he's, you know, he's complex in some ways. The word is hard to understand, and you've got to study it, and you have to think about it, and you've got to, you've got to really commit yourself to this thing. And the Lord is mysterious, and you talk to other Christians, and they're like, yeah, I've been praying, and God doesn't seem to be answering, and I'm in this dark night of the soul, and I don't understand, and it, yeah, it, it is hard. And then he I'm forgiven, but then I'm invited to become like Christ, but I, I feel the tension within me. I know I'm still a sinner. That whole thing is going on. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But most people do a little bit of religion, and it doesn't meet their need, and so they try something else. I'm saying draw near by jumping in. Don't dabble. Go all the way in. Commit yourself to it. Live as a Christian and find God's grace ready in the midst of it. And don't do it alone. It's Get Connected Sunday. So Choose to connect with God and his people, and his people. You were made for this. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you are so faithful to us, that you are quicker to receive us back than we are to turn and and draw near to you, that, Lord, you have come down when we couldn't reach you, that when we are faithless, you are faithful. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to this room, I pray that you'd show us anything that is hindering our friendship with you, our relationship. I pray that you'd show us specifically where you want us to get connected into the body of Christ so that we can indeed be in those conversations that spur us on and challenge us. Thank you, Lord. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.